Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. Today is hump day. Today is Wednesday. So hopefully you can enjoy this banger of an episode for Murph's Boston Sports Talk. So again, thank you so much for joining and welcome to the show. Yes, yes, yes. Sound effects are back. Hopefully I can use them more and more often. Um, I just like to use them to give it the episode a little, a little bit of a spin, a little bit of a twist, you know. But nonetheless, it's all out of good fun, and I know it's just off an iPad app, so it kind of sucks. But it is what it is. Everybody, welcome to Wednesday's edition. Like I said, thank you so much for joining me. I did slip up. It's actually not Wednesday. It's Hump Day. Hump Day. What's going on? So hopefully Monday and Tuesday was good for you, and thus far Wednesday is also going good for you. Um, I'm feeling really good right now. I, I I really feel solid right now in terms of uh, a bunch of different things. But right now, uh, Boston sports isn't really one of them. Uh, Red Sox, I feel okay about. We'll talk about them a little bit more later on. Patriots are in an interesting, tricky spot. So we're not going to talk much about them today. But it's just something to keep note of. Is like They're in a weird spot, something that we're definitely not used to at all. And the Bruins and the Celtics. They still suck. They still suck so bad. Now, I don't want to say the Bruins suck so bad, but they're definitely underperforming compared to what they should be doing and compared to what is expected of them and what we've seen, the good, at least, what we've seen in the good so far. But nonetheless, let's just jump into the Bruins game, which um, they won 5-4 to four in shootout over the New Jersey Devils last night. Nice little win there. Uh, the point to the Devils doesn't really mean anything, but the two points for you is critical. Oh my goodness, is it critical. Let me tell you that. So before they won in shootout, let's just mention and get the elephant out of the room that they were down 4-2 to two midway through the third. Now, a two-goal lead is not really safe in hockey. I mean, if it was three goals, that's you know, very comfortable. But two goals definitely is uh, something to take seriously in terms of defense and you know try and defend that two goal lead and I don't think the Devils really did that all so much but I will give props to the Bruins for taking uh, last night's game very seriously it looked like that they had a huge monkey on their back and then they were trying to get it off and I feel like pulling out of this win out of their rear end was something like that now being down 4-2 in the first place was never good to begin with they were also down 3-1 to as well and but the majority of the night it just didn't look good. Um, it didn't it, like when I say it doesn't look good, like it just didn't look good for the Bruins moving forward. Because if they didn't walk away with those two points, say they don't even walk away with a point, say they don't even force overtime, then now you're only sitting at 39 points, one point above the Flyers. But with the two points that you were able to walk away with, you're sitting at 41 points. And I'm not going to go over to the whole gameplay differential with the teams ahead of you. If you win those games. Then you get the points and you get to vault yourself forward. I'm not going to go in that today, but I do kind of want to mention some takeaways that I personally had from the game last night. And I will say, I will say, as much as this, as, oh, I almost said the Celtics. I, you know, side note, little quick tangent. Whenever I'm talking about a team, I always mix it up with another team. So, for example, just now, I'm talking about the Bruins, Bruins, whatever, Bruins this, Bruins that. And then I go to talk about, oh, the Celtics showed resiliency. <laughs> uh, oops. And anyways, now I'm talking about the Patriots, and then I'll kind of say, like, the Red Sox or whatever. 
and I'm sure you've picked it up millions and millions of times on this podcast, but it's just something that I have a bad uh, habit of doing, and I don't know why, because I don't plan on talking about the Celtics at all today, so it's just a very little confusing confusing process in my head that I'm trying to uh, figure out. Anyways, the Bruins, the Boston Bruins, they showed resiliency last night, though they were down big time um, for the majority of the game. Let's just uh, call it how it is. But they never gave up. I never felt like that they were going to quit on that game. Now, when it was down 3-1, to one, a lot of game left. When it was down 4-2 midway through the third, I was getting a little nervous. I won't deny that. I was getting a little nervous. I thought that it was going to be, you know, that was it. They might have pulled the goalie. Then it would have been 5-2. to two, And now you just lost an ugly game against the Devils team that has no business in beating you. But... You know, luckily for you, you were able to kind of bunker down and really play your style of hockey, which really showed for the last 10 minutes or so of that third period, which is one of the best plays or one of the best styles of hockey that I've ever seen the Bruins play this season was that last 10 minutes, a little bit into overtime as well. Uh, Defensively, though, as much as I've said that they played very good defensively, they did struggle a little bit last night, and it was not... um, something to take lightly i've always i've been a proponent that the bruins need to score goals get the goal uh, get the puck in the net and score they should be focusing and attacking on offense at the trade deadline and i still believe that's very true no matter what no matter at the end of today's episode of what i say offense needs to be addressed first defense second but the defense last night was so bad and i really want to believe that the defense for the bruins is a strength i really want to believe that their goals against is insane let's just run through the league so as of today as i'm recording on wednesday uh, march 31st so happy last day of march bruins have given up sorry i'm putting chapstick on lips are a little chapped a little chap anyways bruins have given up 77 goals and if we look at the central division the leader in that category is the lightning at 85 move to the west division the leader there is the Golden Knights at 75, and then the Avalanche at 77 themselves. And then if we look in the North Division, the leader in that pack is the Canadians with 87. So you're right there in the top five best of the league. You're right there in terms of goals allowed. Now, that's a, that's a tremendous um, honor. Or I don't want to say honor. That's a tremendous win for both the defense and your goaltending as your, your goaltending has been relatively solid all year whether it's been Tuka, Halak or even that one game with Vladar and that also goes with your defense as well your defense has been dinged up for the majority of the year and you know Carlo was able to return it was nice to see Grizzlick on the ice last night scoring a goal so defense is starting to get healthier the roster is starting to get healthier but don't let that confuse you and blind you from you know, your immediate needs. Not that the defense is an immediate need, your offense is. But, you know, defense having a bad night like that against the Devils is very questionable. I mean, they got a couple lucky goals there um, in, the second, in the second period. But nonetheless, it's just something that you really need to address. Because if you give up four goals against the Capitals, the Islanders, even the Penguins, then... I don't know if you're going to pull that one out, especially where your offense is struggling. But in reference to to the offense that we saw last night, it was very good and promising to see. They were able to score four goals. They were able to score two when it really mattered and when they really had to. Even when they were down three to one, Marshan scored that other goal, uh, that second goal, I should say. And it was just a crisp, clean, pass, pass, shoot. It was amazing. It was amazing. Your talent on your offense is good. Your top, your top line, your Bergeron, Pasternak, and Martian line is one of the best lines in hockey. But it's what's what follows is what really hinders you on offense. Is the lines two, three. I think your fourth line's a pretty solid line. I mean, that's your kind of, you know, bruiser kind of a line. You don't want to really mess too much up with that. But just your your two and your three lines. And I've I gotta keep mentioning Krejci's line, that two line. Is just really struggling and it needs to be addressed, hopefully with the trade deadline looming now less than two weeks away. If that can be addressed, and then maybe, I don't know what you want to do on defense. I still think it should be... Excuse me? Oh, okay. I forgot that I had to pay for my truck today. 
I've been pushing it off the past couple of days. It's due like, I don't know, in like a week and a half, whatever. But I like to pay it off early. Who doesn't like to pay off their bills early if they can? Anyways, I apologize for that. Probably giving you some PTSD from, you know, your morning alarm going off at whatever time. Because I use that same alarm for everything as like most people do. Nonetheless, nonetheless, where was I? Oh, don't let last night's performance on offense blind you from the fact that your offense is still in need, just like your defense is still in need. But like I said before, in past episodes, your offense has to be addressed because you only scored 88 goals this season. And in terms of playoff teams, let's see, the Central Division, the Predators have 95 goals for, which is the lowest there. Um, in the West, 97 is the lowest for a playoff team. And in the North Division, 104 by the Canadians is the worst. So, yikes, bro. Yikes. You got to put the puck in the net. I mean, it was nice to see some power play, some good productive power play from the Bruins and their special teams. But 5-on-5 hockey is what 95% of the game is played with. You got to be able to score with even strength on both sides. It's just how it needs to be. At the end of the day, though, I think last night's game was very nice to see. Uh, they didn't fold. They didn't give up. Even when they were down 3-1, to 4-2, whatever, overtime, they played their style of hockey. And then they were able to um, score two goals in the shootout to ice the Devils there. Also, I do want to mention that the passing, which is something that has kind of been a problem for the Bruins, is you know delivering crisp, clean passes. Their passes last night looked really excellent. Like, you know, watching the game and then, you know, going back and look at some highlights, like, bing, bang, boom. Like, that Marshan goal was pass, pass, score. It was nuts. And I haven't seen that kind of crispness from the Bruins in a long time, actually. You know, that kind of also goes with the previous point that the offense needs to be addressed. But, I mean, this team has been together for a long time now. I mean, the core of the team, and I'm not talking about your Marshan, your Krejci, your Bergerons. I'm talking about your Pashenok, your... um. Your DeBrusques and that fourth line with Corrali, who's coming back, which is awesome, which is another point I want to get into, and, and all those guys. So it's like this, I mean, yes, you have, you know, Richie that's new. You have Kasha, who's still relatively new. But, I mean, it's been like a year now since these guys have been on the team. This team knows each other. They know how to play. They know their tendencies. And just to kind of see them actually feel like they, they know how to play with each other, is promising now i don't know if that's going to turn into more goals or you know four goal nights but nonetheless that's the style of hockey that i keep referring to that the bruins need to play with they need to play their style of hockey because if they get down early i don't know if they can catch up to these um the other teams in their divisions the capitals the islanders the penguins you know they go down three goals to one against any of those teams no matter how good their defense is after that i don't see their offense catching up and I guess you're lucky that it was against a bad Devils team. But don't let that happen to one of those top three teams. Do not let that happen to one of those top three teams. Otherwise, you're not going to win. You're not going to win. And another note that I want to mention is uh, Yaroslav Halak was lights out after that fourth goal that he gave up, which was nice. I mean, I don't, not the four goals is nice to see. You know what I'm trying to say. Like, you know, him being lights out after that fourth goal that he gave up. And he was a brick wall. Defense bunkered down, like I've mentioned. I mean, they really clamped it up. But on a side note, giving up four goals to a Devils team, come on. Come on. Like, this should be a cakewalk. You shouldn't be in the you shouldn't be in a shootout with them. You should be beating them in regulation handedly. Them, the Sabres, the Rangers, you know, they could be a little bit of a problem, but you know, that's still a game that you should be able to win there too. So, as I like to do with um you know, whether I'm talking about the Bruins or the Celtics, I like to look ahead. And tomorrow, on th- um, Thursday, the Bruins will be playing against the Penguins at home. And again, on Saturday, on April 3rd, at home. Then you have the Flyers coming in on Monday. And then you go to Philadelphia on the following Tuesday. Well, I guess, you know, Tuesday, six days, April 6th. You go to Washington next Thursday, the 8th, against the Capitals. Then you go back to Philadelphia um, on April 10th to play the Flyers. And then you got the Capitals Sunday, April 11th um, at home. You got a bunch of good games coming up. You got a bunch of good games coming up that you got to win. You got to walk away with points. I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. The next seven games over the next week and a half or so. 
you got to win you got to win 5 of them I'd say let's see that's 14 total points I'd say like 10 or 11 points you got to walk away with because if you don't then they will and that'll just separate that gap a little bit further I mean if you can go 5 1 and 1 in those 7 games that's a success that's a success like I said 14 total points on the board that you can get in the next 7 games I'd say 11 points should be what you're looking for and if you can get 11 points in uh, four, out of 14, you're looking pretty damn good. You know, we can reevaluate the standings then with, you know, the extra points that you scored. Hey, it could be a little different division come then. But right now, there's a seven-point gap between you and second and third place being the Islanders and the Penguins, who both have 48. The Capitals are at 50. So that could be a huge swing. That could be a huge, huge swing. And also beating those... Um, beating the Flyers in those couple games that I mentioned will keep them further and further away as well. So a lot to look forward to as the Bruins. I mean, after that Capitals game, you're going to have the trade deadline the next day on April 12th. You know, it's it's a critical time for the Bruins right now, a critical stretch. You got a lot to look ahead to. You have a lot to look back on. And in terms of your roster, you got to see uh, what you can do to help it. Because right now, it's not good enough, like I've mentioned. But moving forward, you can make some moves at the deadline, before the deadline, whatever, to help bolster you, to give you a legitimate shot at a playoff run. So right now, I'm feeling okay with the Bruins. I mentioned that I felt good and I felt comfortable, but I'm feeling okay right now. Ask me again after those seven games and see if they go 5-1-1 one, one or not. I'll have a different opinion then, but we'll probably be talking about this Penguins game on Friday's episode and whether they win or lose to see how good or bad that the game was and their situation moving forward. So that is my Bruins minute. Uh, yeah, I want to hear your thoughts about the Bruins because I definitely know I'm not the only one that thinks that the Bruins are on a, on skate are skating on thin ice, like literally and figuratively right now. So definitely uh, reach out to me on Twitter and Instagram at Murphs underscore Boston ST where the ST stands for sports talk. And also, if you're watching on YouTube, comment down below. Let me know what you're thinking about what I'm saying. You know, I'd love to hear from you. Thank you, everyone who's reaching out to me on social media as well. Trying to pump up the YouTube channel a little bit. It's easier to obviously listen to the podcast on audio-only platforms. But I love to also put these on YouTube as well for those that prefer YouTube. Anyways, moving forward, we're done with hockey. Let's look ahead to Red Sox opening day yes i'm so excited for this oh i cannot be any more pumped for red sox opening day baseball i've mentioned before although i'm a massive oh, see there goes the wire again that I, I mentioned last time i keep hitting the damn thing although i am a huge fan of all four boston sports love the Sox, love the patriots love the bruins love the celtics I will talk about all four of them till my last breath, whether it's on this podcast, with a fan, with a friend, with a listener, with whoever. But the Red Sox, as I've mentioned before, are my tried and true. Now, yes, everyone bleeds red, but, you know, in terms of team color and team affinity, I bleed red. I bleed Red Sox. All right. So I'm so excited for Red Sox opening day. I have high expectations. My realistic expectations are kind of in the middle of the pack here. But just as a sports fan, as a Sox fan, as a uh, diehard Sox fan, I should say, I want this team to do good. And I know you do too. Like, you're not hoping for last year or like a 2019 season. You want to see something like 2018 or even 2017. I think you'd take that too. So what I have in front of me is I have some odds for Red Sox players and the team itself. Um, I think I have like an over-under for the team total this year. But I, mainly, I have player totals, so over-under, that I'm going to tell you what Vegas has, and I'm going to tell you if I think that player will be over-under. It's a very simple game. Um, for example, first one here is J.D. Martinez, 2021 regular season batting average. Over 0.275, or under 2.275, excuse me. Me, personally, I know I, I project him to have a a uh, huge bounce back season obviously getting the ipad assistance you know getting a full healthy lineup being able to kind of just forget about last year bring cora back you know i'm gonna say over 
I mean, I know I kind of, you know, memingly picked J.D. Martinez to win the MVP or Xander Bogarts, not to be biased. But I think he's going to hit over 275 this year. He hit like 203 or something, some garbage like that. But he's normally a 300 hitter. So I think for me personally, that's an easy, easy over. Uh, Total home runs for J.D. Martinez, 32 and a half. Yikes, that's kind of tough. I mean, it's a full regular season. I mean, he's hit 40, he's hit 30 with the Sox. I could see it being over. I mean, he has power to the whole field. I mean, left field is short, so he can just chip it over the wall. Uh, he can hit a line drive over the wall. And he can also drive the ball to opposite field, to uh, right right center. I want to go over, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, another year older, he's like 32 or 33. I'm gonna go under. I can. I'm gonna say that because I think a lot of those home runs that would have been a couple years ago are gonna turn into doubles. Personally, because I think he's gonna focus more on contact this year, just to be kind of that staple in the lineup as Alexander Bogarts and Rafael Devers kind of turn into the power hitters more. So I'm gonna go under on 32 and a half, but I do see him being around 30. I think he'll get 28, 29, 30, 31. Um, RBIs for J.D. Martinez, over under 95 and a half. I'm going to go over. I'm expecting a big season from the Sox this year in terms of offense. I mean, Bogarts, Devers, Martinez, Verdugo, Kiki Hernandez looks really good. Uh, Bobby Dahlback, I think, is going to have a stud kind of season. So there's a lot of good hitters in that lineup. And then, you know, hitters we've seen do pretty well. Chavis, um, Christian Vasquez, Marwin Gonzalez had a nice spring as well. Hunter Renfro is uh, balling out this spring as well. So I think there's going to be runners on base for him to drive the ball in with that more contact approach. Um, Moving over to Rafael Devers, batting average over or under 0.28, so 280. I'm going to go over on that as well. I still don't think in terms of hitting, Rafael Devers has hit his ceiling. I think he's very, very close to that ceiling. But, you know, I know kind of the average is a little enough for him. He's more of a power and RBI kind of guy, smashes doubles. But I like to see him hover around 290, 295. So I'm going to go over on 280 in terms of his home run where it's over under 32 and a half. Same as J.D. Martinez. I will going to go over on this. I don't know how much over, but I could see him hitting 35, 36 home runs this year. So I'm going to go over on that. Like I said, huge season for Rafael Devers, I think, is coming. As long as he can fix that defense and you know kind of tighten up there, I think he's going to be one of the best third basemen in the league if not already in that conversation. RBIs for him, over under 100.5. That's also over for the reasons I mentioned for J.D. Martinez as well. This dude's an RBI machine. I mean, as long as people are on base, I really think he'll drive them in. Xander Bogarts, over under 285 for the batting average. That's an interesting one. That's an interesting one. Uh, Bogarts is also, you know, he hovers around 300. He kind of goes up and down, whether well into the 330s or kind of down to the 280s. I'm going to go over on this as well. I I feel like I'm hitting over on everything, but this, you know, is kind of presuming that they're going to have a bounce back kind of a season. I think Bogarts has the potential to be a top three shortstop in the league. I think right now he's a top five, but... A top three shortstop in the league is definitely not out of reach for him. And I think that this year being a bounce back season for just about everyone on the Red Sox, but him in particular would be nice and well-deserving. Over under on the home runs, 26 and a half. That's tough because I know he kind of hovers around the upper 20s and the 30s as well. I don't really know where I want to go with this one, to be honest. I don't. I mean, if I go under, like when I think of under... At two six, uh, 26 and a half, I'm thinking like 21, 22, but I don't think he's going to hit that. I think, and then when I think over, I'm thinking like 31, 32. Hmm. That's tough. That's tough. I know he's a 30, 100 guy. I know he's a 30, 100 guy. Oh, man. What do you guys, what do you guys think? Tell me, tell me right now. Tweet at me, DM me. Comment down below. What do you think? Xander Bogarts over under 26 and a half home runs. If I absolutely have to do it, which I kind of do, seeing that this is a segment on my podcast, 
I don't want to be a homer, but I want to say over. I don't want to be a homer, but I want to say over. And it's not over by a lot. It's not over by a lot. That, that has to be my caveat. I think it's going to be like 28, 29. I mean, that's not a lot over. I'm not going to say he's going to hit 40 over or 40 home runs and be over. I think he's only going to hit over by a couple. That's fair. That's a fair. And then RBIs over under 92 and a half. Ooh, that's tough. I mean, he's a 30, 100 guy. If there's guys on base, I still see him driving it in. I think the Sox could have three 100 RBI guys on the team this year. I think Bogarts would be one of them. Obviously, Devers and Martinez being the other two. I'm going to go over on this as well. I don't see it being much over, though. I think it would be like 105, okay? that That's kind of where I'm looking at for that. And then I'm going to skip the Red Sox uh, win total as I want to get to Eduardo Rodriguez, who is the other player on here, um, along with someone else. But over under 9.5 wins for Eduardo Rodriguez. Now, in 2019, he almost had 20 wins. He had 19. And I think he can come back to that form. Yes, he's coming back from COVID and the whole heart condition. I mean, he scratched from opening day start for because of quote-unquote dead arm. So is his arm even going to make it throughout the season? Hopefully. I'd like to think that it will. I mean, maybe give him a little extra time off to start the season, maybe like two weeks. I think he... If his stuff is still right, I don't see him not winning 10 games. I don't. As long as his stuff is right. So I'm going to go over on that. Nathan Eovaldi over under 9.5 wins. So same same, same line. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. This is tough. I mean, that's the thing with sports betting is... You get these crazy like lines for these statistics that are so fair. Like it, it's so fair. I'm gonna say this. Eduardo Rodriguez and Nathan Evaldi better get ten wins. Otherwise, the pitching staff will be the reason why the Red Sox suck and lose a lot of games. So I'm gonna go over only for the fact that he needs to win ten games for this team. Let me just say that. And in terms of winning games for this team, I'm going to go back to the over-under total for the Red Sox 2021 regular season win total. And that is currently set at 80.5. Hmm. Hmm, 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 hmm. Over-under 80.5 wins. Now, obviously, you know, for those that may not be familiar with betting, I probably should have mentioned this earlier, but when it comes to sports, the line is 0.5. Therefore, to avoid any tiebreakers or any pushes, because, for example, Nathan Uvalde, say he gets nine wins, well, that's a push. All right, you don't win, you don't lose, because he got the total. Is that over or is that under? There's no way to really tell. It's like even. But when you throw a point five in there, it completely eliminates any uh, form of a potential tiebreaker. Unlike you may see in football, where you know they actually do tie, ironically enough. So, eighty and a half wins. Let's get back to that. <laughs> Let's get back to that. Uh, I want them. I want them to win more than eighty games. Are they going to win over eighty games? That's going to come down to the pitching rotation. I really think that because we don't know when sales coming back. We don't know what kind of pitcher Eduardo Rodriguez is going to be. We're hoping and praying Nathan Eovaldi can get 10 wins. The starting rotation is going to be the reason why they don't win 80 games. And unless that gets addressed or unless there's a surprise like Tanner Hawk or something, I have to go under. And I'm only going under because this, this is my realistic opinion about the Sox. Is that I don't think they'll win 81 games, which is half. I don't think they'll win half the games. I mean, they're close. They'll be very close. But unless their starting pitching is addressed, and as long as their hitters play, like I kind of guessed, a bunch of overs on, I don't know if they'll do that. I want them. I I honestly, realistically see the Sox winning 85, 86 games. But I don't think, I don't know if they can. And if I'm going to bet money on it, I'm going to bet that they don't. That's just how it is. I'm sorry. I'm such a disappointing Sox fan. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I'm trying to be honest to you guys. I'm trying to be unbiased to you. And 
I think that's the only way to to keep true to that is to give you my honest take about that. And I guess the following one is the Boston Red Sox make the playoffs in the 2021 season. Uh, it's just a yes or no. If you guess uh, yes, the yes line is plus 275 and the no line is minus 400. So obviously the Sox are an underdog in terms of making the playoffs. Uh, like I said about the win total, I want them to. I can see them making the playoffs. I think they can make the playoffs. But realistically, I don't know. I don't think so. But if they're starting pitching, can turn it around and, you know, kind of pitch as good as it possibly can, maybe better than that, then they could. But if I'm a betting man and I'm unbiased Boston sports fan, like I try to be on this podcast, I have to say no. I have to say no. And as unfortunate as that is, I'm sorry, but it just is what it is. Hopefully you can forgive me. So I do want to recap everything. Um, let me let me scroll back up so I don't lose my place. Here we go. Over under on JD Martinez hitting 275. I went over. Over under 32 and a half home runs for Martinez. I went under. 95 and a half RBIs. I went over. Raphael Devers over 280. Raphael Devers over 32 and a half RBIs. Raphael Devers over 100 and a half RBIs. Oh wait, no. 32 and a half was home runs, excuse me. 100 and a half was the RBIs, and I took the over on that. Going to Alexander Bogarts, over under 285 batting average. I took the over, over under 26 and a half home runs. I took the over, but I don't think it'll be over by that much. Um, Alexander Bogarts, 92 and a half RBIs. I also took the over instead of the under there. Regular season win total for the Red Sox, 80 and a half. Will they make the playoffs? No, at minus 400. Eduardo Rodriguez and Nathan Eovaldi over 9.5. Like I said, for Eduardo Rodriguez, as long as his arm is healthy and his stuff is still good, he should win 10 games, no problem. Nathan Eovaldi, I'm saying yes, just because the Sox need him to. <laughs> just being honest. Just being absolutely honest. So, those are my thoughts about the Red Sox for the upcoming 2020, for the 2021 MLB season. Obviously, they don't cover... All of, you know, Red Sox players and such like that. Just kind of the notables and their star players, which I think is, you know, more than fair. But those are just my thoughts and opinions about that. Definitely leave yours down in the comments below if you're watching on YouTube. Or, like I mentioned, reach out to me on Twitter on Instagram at Merce underscore Boston ST. So, no, we're not done yet with this episode. I do have one more topic I want to talk about. And this one's a rather interesting topic, I think. You know, this is something that broke... Uh, what was it yesterday? I believe it was, and that is the New York Mets. So sticking with baseball here, the New York Mets offered Francisco Lindor a ten-year, three hundred and twenty-five million dollar contract extension. Now, Francisco Lindor came over from the Indians to the Mets in an off-season trade between the two teams, and very similar to the Mookie Betts situation. Guy has one year left on his contract, one year left of arbitration. Uh, Indians trying to move him, get some some pieces back instead of losing him for nothing in free agency at the end of the season. Exactly the same thing that the Red Sox did with Mookie Betts. Try to trade him, get some pieces back. And for the Dodgers and Betts, they ended up signing a 12-year contract contract extension that starts this year. And the Mets are trying to lock up Lindor so it wasn't a waste of a trade for the next, uh, what they offered him, 10 years. Now... Francisco Lindor declined that contract extension. Now, I don't know about you or me, but if I see $325 million in front of me, I'm kind of taking that and running, right? I mean, granted, I'm no superstar baseball player. And yes, you have to kind of you know give up the next 10 years of your life to this team. But in baseball, that's not common for superstar players. You see players all the time commit to 10, 11, 12-year contracts. I mean, bets. Uh, Fernando Tatis, Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, uh, Mike Trout, Francisco Lindor is doing it right now. We're trying to do it right now. So reports have shown that I keep sorry, I keep hitting my mic at the cord. Rumor reports coming out that Francisco Lindor is looking and seeking for a contract up to 12 years and worth 385 million dollars. Now, if you do the math on the offered contract by the Mets. 
325 divided by 10 is obviously 32 and a half. Now, whether that contract is front, backloaded, or just a flat rate, the average per year is 32.5. Now, if we want to break down uh, 385 divided by 12, that is just a little under $32. So, it's very ballsy from Lindor declining that contract because as the first one that the Mets have publicly offered him and as the first time we're hearing about a contract extension between the two parties being the New York Mets and Francisco Lindor. After the news broke out that Lindor did decline, we see people commenting and you know responding to it that like, oh, he should you know hold out and wait and you know, get a bigger contract, get something worth up to 400. Then you see Pete Alonso saying that you know, they, he should sign for 400 that he shouldn't take anything less. And I'm like, whoa, wait, wait a second. $400 million for Francisco Lindor, pause. Let me read you the top five highest contracts signed in MLB history. So number five, the Detroit Tigers signed Miguel Cabrera to an eight-year $248 million extension that was signed back in 2014 and that's going to run through 2023 so that is a contract that they are still on although Miguel Cabrera is you know kind of getting up there in age his performance is kind of cutting back a little bit but he's still a fun guy he's a clubhouse guy he's got experience and he can pop up he's more of a contact hitter nowadays but that's okay I mean the Tigers really aren't going to be good anytime soon so might as well have someone like him in the clubhouse to kind of help you know pull along their younger players move into number four we have John Carlos Stanton Stanton excuse me uh, that he signed a 13 year 325 million dollar contract extension which he signed with the Florida Marlins or I guess the Miami Marlins excuse me um, when he was with them at the time he signed that in 2014 and that contract now with the Yankees runs through 2028 that was the first 300 plus million dollar contract that we have seen in MLB history at the time, a absolute record. Now we move over to number three, which was just signed recently. That is Fernando Tatis Jr. with the Padres for 14 years at $340 million. Like I said, this was recently agreed in 2021, I believe in January, and that runs through 2034. Number two, Mike Trout and the Angels for a 10-year $360 million extension, which was signed in 2019, and that will expire at the end of 2030. Uh, Mike Trout, obviously, arguably one of the best players in baseball, arguably one of the best players in baseball history. He's got um, all the awards that you could have in the regular season, obviously nothing in the playoffs, but $36 million a year for 10 years is just about worth it for that kind of player. And then you move over to what was signed last year that I mentioned before, Mookie Betts and the Los Angeles Dodgers, a 12-year, $365 million contract extension signed in 2020 at the end of spring training last year and that will run through 2032 and francisco lindor turns down a 10-year 325 million dollar contract which would put him right at actually we would technically put him below no it would put him above john carlos stan because the total dollars is the same but the years is less so therefore he would make more in less he would make this he would make more per year but he would also make the same amount in three less years so he would be the fourth highest contract signed in mlb history so like i mentioned there has been no 400 million dollar contract signed as of yet right right yeah okay we can all in agreement with that and pete alonzo other analysts are looking for 400 now out of Lindor's camp, it seems like he wants 12 for 385, which would still be a record. Which would still be a record. It would beat Mookie Betts' deal by $20 million, same years and all that. But let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Would you take Francisco Lindor over Mookie Betts right now? No. Let's just look at the second highest contract, which is Mike Trout's. Would you take Mike Trout or Francisco Lindor? You're taking Mike Trout. You're taking Mike Trout. Yes, just nod your head. Yes. Okay, thank you. Why on God's green earth does he think he's worth the highest paid contract in MLB history? Yes, 
Francisco Lindor is one of the best shortstops in baseball. He is probably a top five shortstop. He's very exciting to watch. He has a great personality, a great attitude. He's a fun guy. And honestly, the Mets have a great player. And a lot of reasons why the Mets are so projected to do well this year is surrounded by Francisco Lindor along with the other moves that they made. But, but, let's look at Francisco Lindor's career thus far. And let's really dive into the fact or dive deep into is he really worth $400 million. So he broke into the league in 2015 at the age of 21. He got 390 at-bats where he hit 12 home runs and a 13, uh, 313 batting average along with 51 RBIs. Really solid rookie season. 2016 when he made his first all-star team, he hit 15 home runs, drove in 78 RBIs, and hit 301. Okay. 2017, all-star again, uh, drives 33 home runs, 89 RBIs for a 273 batting average. 2018 All-Star again, 38 home runs, 92 RBIs, and a 277 batting average. 2019, the last full regular season, 32 home runs, 74 RBIs, and a 284 batting average. In last year, it's age 26 season, 8 home runs, 27 RBIs, a 258 batting average. Hard to hold that against him because a lot of players sucked last year. But his highest batting average season was 313 his rookie year. Okay. He has power. He's hit 30 home runs the past three full regular seasons. He has not yet hit 100 RBIs in a single season. He has a career 138 home runs, 411 RBIs, and a career 285 batting average. Now, Francisco Lindor, like I mentioned, is a great defensive shortstop. He makes exciting plays. He's a stud, great personality, all that good stuff. But offensively, let's just look at offensively because it's hard to put a value number on defense. I mean, look at Jackie Bradley. He just signed a two-year, $25 million contract with the Brewers, and he can't hit the ball for shit. And his defense is kind of declining. So that's kind of hard right there. But anyways, looking at Francisco Lindor and looking at the stats that I just read you, is he worth the most expensive contract in MLB history? More than Fernando Tatis Jr., who is probably... The best young player that this game has right now who is arguably the face of baseball and who is arguably going to be one of the best baseball players we have ever seen in a long time. Is he worth more than Mike Trout? No. Is he worth more than Mookie Betts? I don't think so. So no. I understand. Agents and players have to look out for themselves. They have to be greedy and you know when it comes to this time. Because one injury could really derail you for the rest of your career. I mean, look at Dustin Bedroya. He got injured in the 2017 season. Hasn't been the same since. You know, he had to retire. Obviously, you have to set yourself up for, you know, for the future. Take care of yourself. Take care of your family. I get all that. I do. But 12 years for 385 or even 400 are we really going to make Francisco Lindor the first $400 million baseball player? I don't know. I, I just, as I was just finishing that thought, I just had to like pause for a second because I just realized that the list I was reading was wrong. I told you that, um, let, me, let me go back to it because I still have it pulled up, that uh, Miguel Cabrera has the fifth fifth highest contract in baseball signed for eight years 248 million uh wrong um that's actually incorrect because we've seen i mean this list is also a little outdated as well but i completely forgot about this and i i so apologize because you're probably making fun of me while i was talking that bryce harper signed with the phillies two years ago 13 years for 330 million dollars so boom there's that contract then Manny Machado, the same offseason, signed with the Padres for 10 years and $300 million. So, boom, there's that contract, too. Uh, Miguel Cabrera is like the eighth highest. I don't know, whatever. This list is also wrong because it doesn't count for Fernando Tatis and it doesn't count for uh, Mookie Betts. So, that Miguel Cabrera contract is like the 10th highest. So, I do apologize. Please don't flame me too much. Uh, I really wanted to address this immediately because like, I was thinking to myself, I was like, wait a second. Bryce Harper held out almost until like 
the spring training to sign. And then like, oh, he signed a massive contract. And then Machado and Tatis are on the same team. And they both have massive contracts. So I, I apologize for that. Like I said, please don't flame me. I'm trying to correct my wrongs, but I already said it, so I'm not going to take it out, obviously. But anyways, moving forward, let's just still ask ourselves the same question. Is Francisco Lindor worth more than Manny Machado? That's an argue, arguable question. Um, is he worth more than Giancarlo Stanton right now? Probably. Yankee fans are going to be like, you hate us. But I think that's a that's a valid argument because Francisco Lindor does so much more than Giancarlo Stanton does. Is he worth more than Bryce Harper? Maybe. Maybe. But, I mean, when he's offered $325 million, that puts him right there, right next to Giancarlo. That puts him right next to or just right behind Bryce Harper. And then we look at Fernando Tatis, and he's not worth more than Tatis. He's not worth more than Mookie Betts. And he's not worth more than Mike Trout. Oh, wait a second. Hold on. Oh, my God. This this other link was wrong as well. I mean, which link is right, yo? I mean, because it says Mike Trout signed a uh, 12-year Four hundred twenty-six and a half million dollar extension, which I believe that is right. Let me look up right now on the fly. Mike Trout contract. Yeah, four hundred twenty-six point five million dollars that he signed in March of twenty nineteen. I hate this flipping list. I'm not gonna swear because I'm not gonna take my anger out. I'm gonna control it. That's what Kim would want me to do: control my anger and frustration. But ten years for three hundred sixty million. And eh, that thing's wrong. I'm deleting this this link. You have to double check your research, okay? And I usually do, but I kind of slipped on it, so I apologize. Please, please, please don't flame me too, too much, okay? So we already have a $400 million contract in baseball. That is Mike Trout. Then Mookie Betts. Then Fernando Tatis. Then Bryce Harper. Giancarlo. Then Manny Machado. I think I, th- I think we're all in agreement and understanding of that. Okay. Guys, I'm sorry. But still, the point stays the goddamn same thing. Is Francisco Lindor worth Mike Trout kind of money? I mean, yes, he's entering his age 27 season, okay? And he has the potential to get better still. But I mean, looking at his projections for this year and 558 at-bats, 33 doubles, 28 home runs, 73 RBIs, 269 batting average, like, I mean, is that really worth $400 million in baseball? No, it's not. It's not. I think that 10-year for $325 million contract is more than fair for Francisco Lindor. I just don't think 12 years for 385 or even 10 years for 400 is worth it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But Francisco Lindor, I know you're trying to look out for yourself, your family, loved ones, and all that good stuff. You know, God forbid any injury was to ever happen. But wow, that's, I mean, granted everything, I know my information was a little skewed, but everything I said about Lindor is true and accurate. But come on, don't be stupid here. And I think the Mets are going to try to do a lot of things to keep you signed or to re-sign you, I should say. But I mean, they could just get to the point where they're like, screw it, we're not going to sign you. I mean, it's is it worth to put your team in that financial situation when your production is projected to not even have 75 RBIs, not even 30 home runs, and a sub-270 batting average at $400 million? Come on. I, I know it's a business on both sides, the players and the teams, but don't make a fool of yourself. Don't be stupid. That's all I'm going to say about it. So... Sorry again. Sorry, sorry, sorry for the misleading information. You were probably listening, be like, uh, dude, you're wrong. Uh, fact check. And yes, I did go back and fact check it on the fly. So hopefully you can't flame me or you don't flame me all too much. Um, this episode has been, you know, off the walls. I mean, talking about the Bruins, diving into them, trying to be fair, realistic, and unbiased to the Red Sox with the odds and all that, and then kind of just indulging into Francisco Lindor rejecting a 10-year $325 million contract extension extension because when I'm if I'm putting up his kind of numbers I think I'm taking that extension and running just me personally if the Mets pay him more than 10 years or 350 I think it's a dumb move now obviously Lindor could improve himself you know if he can get that batting average up 20 points or so you could talk me into it being worth it 
But I want to hear your thoughts on not just Lindor, not just the Red Sox, not just the Bruins, anything we talked about or anything that we may not have talked about. Reach out to me at Murphs underscore Boston. At Murphs underscore Boston ST, where the ST stands for Sports Talk. You can find that handle on Twitter and on Instagram. As you know, as you love. Thank you so much for everyone reaching out to me. Also, if you're watching on YouTube, please comment down below. And if you haven't already, chuck this video a like rating if you enjoyed it, if you loved it, and also consider subscribing if you're new to the channel. Speaking of the channel, I do want to kind of plug the YouTube channel in really quickly before we wrap this up. And I do want to say I did buy a new camera to vlog and to make funny videos and all that good stuff because I think, you know, my mom's old iPhone can only do so much. It can only take me so far then the camera's going to, you know, really outshine and make, you know, those videos and those vlogs so much better so you can enjoy them so much more. I see the views. I see the likes and the comments. I appreciate it all so much. Thank you so much for supporting me over there as well. Expect bigger and better content once that camera comes in. And speaking of content, yes, I am going to the Boston Red Sox game on April 5th. That is a Monday. That is against the Tampa Bay Rays. I'm so excited for that. And... The camera should be in. should be in actually on Friday. And I'm going to vlog that game. And it's going to be so freaking fun. I'm going to try to take pictures of players. Uh, I'm going to try to record my time there. And it's going to be an awesome vlog. I want it to be massive. So I want to kind of split it up into two parts. But it'll probably come out, you know, back-to-back days. But I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet. But anyways, nonetheless, stay on the lookout for that. And thank you so much for listening. I really hope you enjoy this episode. But until then, as always, enjoy your hump day, enjoy your Wednesday, and I will catch you at the end of the week on Friday. But until then, I love you guys. See ya. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.